Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Danny Sarek joins me. Time to react to Episode 6 of Hard Knocks in Season. And much like the episode before, unfortunately, the stories told do not have the Hollywood happy ending. Though here's hoping there are more waffles being made in the D-line room. Also, it's official. Trace McSorley will make his first career start on Sunday. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 627, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Have to shout out the Hard Knocks crew right off the bat, Danny, because this is now two straight episodes. Week, or I should say episode five, they wake up early, 3.12 a.m. to drive in with head coach Cliff Kingsbury, and then they go for a walk. I don't know what hour it was, but it was before the sun came up. You've got Vance Joseph, Greg Williams, and Sean Jefferson walking around the facility. Again, sun is not out. It's cold. It looked cold. I felt cold watching them walk. That's impressive. It is impressive. I can't imagine this is the only coaching staff. I know that they normally just do training camp, and last year was the first year in season with the Colts. I would imagine every coaching staff has coaches that get up earlier in the morning to try and wake up your body, wake up your mind, get set for the day because their day starts and ends so early. That's really their only time. So it is impressive. It does come with the territory, I would imagine, when you know what you're signing up for. Although to get a walk-in before the sun comes up, every coach I would think and I would hope does get some type of exercise daily just because of the stress, the mental, the physical stress on your body. And as we need to let everyone know here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, there is a standing invitation from the head coach to join him for his workout at 3.12, or I should say not 3.12, it was, what, 4.13 a.m. when he works out here at the facility. Standing we, invitation, he, he, he brought it up. We haven't had an episode of Cover 2 since I asked him that question <laughs> in his press conference last week, did we? Yeah, after no. the episode aired. Cliff Kingsbury had a press conference two days later, and I asked him, I said, do you really get the, to the facility at 3.15 every morning? And he looked at me with a smirk, and he just said, you can get here all next week if you want to see for yourself. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to take your word on that, actually. Thank you. Yeah, I will, too. But I would love to see the reaction on his face if there was like a group of us just waiting or working out like we do it all the time. Like, hey, Cliff, welcome. Good morning. Just so casual. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, again, here we are for the second straight episode. Actually, it's been more than that. But you get that storylines throughout the entire week. You've got Trey McBride returning to Colorado, reuniting with his family. Vance Joseph going back to Denver where he coached the Broncos for two seasons. Colt McCoy spending time with his family. And then what happens? Nothing. You don't get that Hollywood happy ending, and then you see down faces walking back to the bus, or in the case of Colt McCoy, walking off the field, and what I didn't know at the time, slamming his hand on the locker room door as he went in, and we did not see him the rest of that day. 
this episode to me, I think you and I had different feelings about this episode, might have been the hardest to date, to watch. And I think that's because in every other episode, there was something that was either incredibly intriguing, whether that was on or off the field, or the team played like they really had some fight in them. And this was just blech to me, to be quite honest. I mean, the game was horrible. It was horrible watching it live. It was horrible watching it again. It was a horrible feeling watching Colt play with his family because you knew that storyline that they were going after was because Kyler Murray's down for the year and it's going to be Colt moving forward. And watching this episode, you know that Colt was going to be out the second half. And by the time watching this episode, you already know that Colt has been ruled out with a concussion for this week's game. That's not on hard knocks by any means. It's just it's to me, this was one of the harder episodes to watch. And it's, you know, getting to know defensive coordinator Vance Joseph better was a great storyline. And the fact that he was returning to Colorado and Trey McBride, who hasn't really been incredibly productive this season, had the best game of his career and his family was there in his return to Colorado, where he's from the state. He played college in at Colorado State. So there were definitely good pieces. But you and I, when you walked into the podcast studio, had very different reactions to this episode as a whole. I like following along during the week and getting to know these players, these coaches, but you're right. It is depressing when you know the outcome. It's it's very different watching Hard Knocks in season because you know what happened as opposed to a TV show, a sitcom where you're you're waiting for the next thing to happen so you can follow along. Here you're following along knowing where you're going, where where it's going to stop. Right, but against the Chargers, you knew they lost, and that was still more exciting to watch. Patriots game, you knew what was coming with Kyler Murray, still more exciting to watch. Playing the way the Cardinals did against a very bad Broncos team was not something I wanted to rewatch. You hear Dave Pash when it's 6-3 to three at halftime say 87 yards of offense. Cardinals had a three-point lead with just 87 yards of offense. So yeah, it was, one, hard to watch. You were in person watching that from the comfy confines, by the way, of the press box. You were not freezing like Paul Calvisi was on the sidelines. But difficult to watch just because it was not, it was not a good football game on either side. For either team. And unfortunately, the Cardinals suffer their fourth straight loss. And again, here we are looking ahead. Perhaps this is the week because we got that message at the start of Hard Knocks episode six about maybe this, you can, how you finish this season can help spur next season. And then the final messages from Cliff Kingsbury and JJ Watt about making sure you. Be selfish. I thought that was an interesting spin on a message. We talk about finishing strong, but being selfish. It's all about the team, but when you do not have anything to play for as a team, then all of a sudden it's be selfish in order to help the team, not go outside to where you're doing something where you're not supposed to do. Still do your job, but act selfishly, whether it's a new contract, a job here, a job elsewhere, but individually be selfish. I liked that message as well. We heard it first in a meeting room from Vance Joseph saying, you know, you hear players who say, I don't care about the money. I don't care about being a starter. I just want to be a team player. And he said, that's bull. We all know. We, we know that's maybe that's true to a certain extent, but we know that's not all the players care about. Understandably so. 
But I agree. I like the message of being selfish because it's being a, it's being selfish in a way that helps the team. Be selfish to do what it takes for you to mentally and physically go out there and give your best. One, to be selfish because you're playing for a job, whether that's with the Cardinals or someone else next year. And being selfish and going out there and playing your best film, putting your best you know, on film, is what's best for the team. Just doing your job, doing your part, so everyone on the field is working together cohesively. And J.J. Watt had a similar sentiment. I mean, look, they play us or out. They know that. It sucks. It's, I can't imagine it's easy for three more weeks to go through the regimen they go through knowing you're not playing for a chance to hoist a Lombardi at your own stadium in February. That's just where they are. Nobody else has done anything to get to that, get them there to that point besides themselves. So at this point, all you can do is be professional and go out there and play your best because this is still your job. Your job is not, you didn't sign your contract just to play your, the games until you had a decision whether or not you were going to the playoffs. You have to play the full season. You signed up for 17 games, 18 weeks. And that's what you're, and hopefully there's more, but there's not going to be more because there is no postseason for the Cardinals. But you play to the end. By the way, speaking of Vance Joseph, I know a lot of people make a big deal about Cliff Kingsbury, his house, and his views. Vance has got a pretty solid. That did view not even look like Arizona. Room. That looked like way nicer. I was thoroughly impressed. I don't know exactly where, but it's a great mountain view as you're sitting there. His wife, his kids, and there's just a fuel, a full mountain. I was like, wow, like okay. Yeah, very nice. Um, I, <laughs> I wish my view from my little balcony at my apartment looked like that, but unfortunately, it does not. No, no. You don't have Camelback views, or I'm not going to tell not. you which mountain I live at, so people know what area I live at, Craig. Solid point. Come yeah. on. Okay. All right. Just trying to live and liven things up just a little bit here on Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. One other moment that I thought was pretty cool, and that. And we had seen it, I had seen it earlier in the day because it was clipped and put on our social media platforms, but Lucky Fotu making waffles in the D-line room, I was impressed. He was very meticulate. He was very prepared. And just the attention to detail in which he went through to make these waffles for everyone in the defensive line room. Watching that and talking about now makes me crave one. I'm so hungry now. The waffles looked good. They didn't look too thick and doughy. Like They looked thin enough to have a little bit of a crunch to them. I actually saw Lecky walking out onto the field for walkthrough Wednesday, and I said, Lecky, what's a girl got to do to get a waffle? And he looked at me and he chuckled and said, you got to be a defensive lineman. Uh, you know what? That's probably not in my future, so maybe I'll have to go somewhere for my waffle besides having you make it for me. And as we heard in episode six, the waffle-fueled J.J. Watt, who gets three sacks in the first half. So let's hope that there are some more waffles being made this week because J.J. Watt has never sacked Tom Brady in a regular season game. Does have a half sack on him in the postseason, but not in the regular season. And I'm like you. I'm now interested in a waffle. And if we have to just walk into the D-line room, I'm willing to do that. I wonder if J.J. Watt goes up to Lucky and says, Lucky, I had such a good game. I got to have another waffle. I feel like Lucky would continue to make waffles for him. He's such a nice guy. And it's J.J. Watt. 
You're right. It's now starting to make me hungry as well. I would like a waffle because they were fluffy, not burnt. And you got a full-size waffle. It wasn't like a quarter or a half. This was a full-size waffle. And he had the syrup, the butt. I mean, it was, I again, and these defensive line rooms, they're large, but there's a number of players in these rooms. You don't have a lot of space. And he was doing all this in basically a desk size area. And he's doing it sitting down. I mean, I don't know about you, Danny, but I don't cook sitting down. I don't mix sitting down. I, I have to stand in the kitchen. No one sits in their kitchen making food. He looked so serene. <laughs> I think, if anything, we've learned that the D-line probably has the best food. I know we, we saw popcorn and we saw some stuff in the offensive line. I'm guessing I know the, the wide off- receivers room has some chips and stuff. Some snacks. Yeah, they look like who has the best snacks versus who has the best food. What do you mean? Well, like snacks. Like you meant like chips, candy, Yeah, but and all what that else stuff. would they have in there? Well, maybe they got – there. I wouldn't surprise me if there's like a microwave in, in some of these rooms where you can bring in, you know, full-size pre-made meals – I don't know. Doesn't that seem like a lot of work when they've got a cafeteria down yeah, the hallway? That's, I always found that interesting. I saw Marcus Golden walking into the locker room earlier, and he's got food. I was like, they do feed you here. I know, but if you're craving something, <laughs> that's true. you need more options. But I feel like D-Line probably has some, the best snacks. What else stood out to you as we recap Episode 6 of Hard Knocks in Season, detailing the lead-up to the loss to the Denver Broncos? I think you just, you had kind of touched on it before we start. You just feel for this coaching staff. Um, not to say that the players aren't trying by any means, but I think you've seen through these episodes, like, this is not a matter of the coaching staff not putting in the effort to make sure their team is prepared. And we can go into specifics when you're looking at penalties and mental mistakes that are happening out on the field that the coaching staff is not controlling. That's the whole point of Hard Knocks is to get to know these players and coaches as people and you start to feel for them. And it's starting to feel pretty hard of of knowing that it's not just a hard job for the players, but the coaches as well. And having to fight, you know, these last three games, also coaching for a job and the uncertainty that happens with every team every year if you don't make the playoffs and, and where people are going to end up and you just kind of feel for them. You feel for Colt McCoy. We got a good look at him, and he's in concussion protocol at the moment. So it's just it was it was kind of a hard episode of I just not because the content was bad. I just felt really sad when it was over. The number of distractions that this team has had to deal with on and off the field. General Manager Steve Kime, his health related leave of absence was addressed. Owner Michael Bidwell addressed the team, coaches, staff, and players had some strong language when it came to his thoughts on what has happened this season. I thought was very interesting. You don't typically see ownership in that manner. And then during the game uh, against the Broncos, the number of injuries that this team has sustained. And it got so bad to the point where when Christian Matthew went down, DeAndre Hopkins came up to Vance and said, if y'all need a corner, I got you. And then mentioned that he played some corner defensive back in college. Whether he did or not, I mean, D-Hop sounded genuine. And for a split second, Vance, okay, we play quarters. That's all we're doing, meaning they're playing zone. So 
<laughs> if we need you, maybe. What would they have done at that point? Truthfully, you, your top three cornerbacks, Byron Murphy, Antonio Hamilton, and Marco Wilson, all out with injuries. It was rookie Christian Matthew, Nate Harrison, and Jace Whitaker. Christian Matthew ended up coming back in the game, yeah. but what do you do at that point? Uh, you, you just have to completely change your personnel and what packages you're running, but like... They had only played two corners for much of that game anyway because the snaps that Matthew missed were made up by Harrison. And I guess the Broncos are really running the ball more so in the second half. But you've got. I mean, that's not even. Think of the times we've thought about that when it comes to quarterback the last two games. It would have been running back Corey Clement because the Cardinals only had two active quarterbacks. And when that starter goes down and you only have one quarterback on the roster, I mean, it's. Look, every team goes through injuries. We've talked about this. The Cardinals have had. Almost 80 players, which is very, it's if not first, it's second in the league. But I mean, I it's just crazy to think about what they are trying to do right now with who they have out on the field. Nate Harrison became the 78th different player to see action this season. That trails only the Tennessee Titans. So 78 different players. And that number could very well go up depending on what happens over these last three games, beginning with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Christmas night. Before we move on to the other news of the day, and that is Trace McSorley getting his first career starts, if you watched episode six all the way to the end, you saw that the episode was dedicated to producer Mike Antell, who died late last week. We want to extend our condolences to his family, the entire NFL film family, Antel was tragically killed in a car accident, 33 years old, left behind a wife, a daughter. His wife is expecting their first baby boy. Absolutely heartbreaking. And again, you talk about what these episodes are about. Yeah, it's about football, but there's real life involved as well. And everyone who's been at the facility at the games with NFL Films and Hard Knocks has been so incredibly gracious and kind and the obituary, which you can find online, was really beautiful. And even though we never got to meet him, I feel like you got to know Mike a little more through that. And he just seemed like such a dedicated and loving husband and father and making that known through little notes that he would leave. And it's just incredibly heartbreaking and a very sad reminder of just letting those around you know that you love them, give them a hug, all that good stuff. Prayers to Mike Antel's family and, again, the entire NFL film family here with the Arizona Cardinals. It's no easy way to transition, but we'll do the best we can because the season continues. You've got Week 16 coming up on Christmas nights, Cardinals and Buccaneers. And, yes, it will be Trace McSorley against Tom Brady, just like we all anticipated but head coach Cliff Kingsbury ruling out Colt McCoy earlier on Wednesday and really not a surprise. He remains in concussion protocol, and even if he did clear, I did not want to see Colt on the field this week. One, as we talked about, the playoffs are not an option. There's nothing left to play for, and Colt McCoy does not need to be selfish, as we talked about earlier. He knows his position within this organization, within this league. He doesn't need to prove anything. It does give McSorley an opportunity been in the league for four seasons and now his first career start not only is it uh, against Tom Brady but it's Sunday night football prime time Christmas night his parents will be in attendance they were already going to be here because of the holiday but there is a lot 
right not right I wouldn't say not a lot riding but there's just a lot within this game before McSorley even steps foot on the field pretty crazy your first career start going up against Tom Brady who we watched growing up <laughs> greatest to ever do it it makes if Colt were if Colt were healthy he would play it's not in the sense of they're eliminated from the playoffs so for no reason other than that we're just going to sit Colt that's not what would happen however because he is in concussion protocol even though Kingsbury said he is improving you're right this is the time to just be cautious, especially with concussions. And and not to say that, you know, other injuries aren't important, but so important to be careful when it comes to those. And this is a great opportunity to see what Trace is made of outside of a preseason game, right? We've talked about how at this point you're also starting to see what you have in the future. Who are you going to want to bring back? What positions are you going to want to build around? Do you have the players you need in place for what you're going to want to accomplish next year? This is a great opportunity to see what Trace McSorley can really do when he has a full week of preparation and the plays that he wants to run at his disposal. He talked about the glitz and the glam. Primetime, Christmas, against Tom Brady to have it all happen at once. I asked him at his press conference Wednesday, how do you expect to handle any sort of nerves or butterflies you might have? It's very different than when you're just thrust into a game the way he was in Denver. And he said he's, he's not going to try and get overwhelmed by everything that's ahead of him for the game, the next couple weeks, thinking about what the future holds. It's just about being present. And he said something, which is something that I had been told by a mentor once that I like to kind of remember when doing my job is that if you're not nervous, you don't care. And that was a sentiment he said his dad has taught him was, it's okay to be nervous. That means you want to go out there and you want to do a good job. It's just about harnessing it and not letting that take over you, not letting that emotion consume you, still being able to focus. But understanding he's going to have some butterflies when he's running out of that tunnel as a starter with his family in the stands. But you got to harness it, and you got to use it and, and create some momentum and some positivity out of it. Former sixth-round pick of the Ravens back in 2019 has appeared in seven games, four of those this season alone. But I liked what he had to say. He's embracing this opportunity. And when you are a young player or a backup or, in this case, a third string, you're just waiting for that opportunity. When do they come? Do they come? And then what do you do with that opportunity? I will be interested to know now what to expect with Trace McSorley because there is a difference between Kyler Murray to Colt McCoy to now Trace McSorley. Three very different quarterbacks, not only in skill set, but experience and what does Cliff do and the rest of the coaching staff on that offensive side do to make things, one, simple and easy for a young quarterback making his first career start to try to keep it as normal of a game as possible, even though it's not, given everything that we just described that's happening on Sunday. You want Trace McSorley to be as comfortable as possible. That's not going to be easy when the only healthy starters you have are some wide receivers, and running back James Conner. You've got a backup offensive line. Right tackle Kelvin Beecham is the only starter on offense who hasn't missed a game. However, he is day-to-day with a knee and ankle injury, which he sustained on the same play that Colt got his concussion Sunday in Denver. However, Beecham did miraculously come back yeah. into that game because he did not look good when he was limping off, which I, I think does say a lot about him and a lot of the players that are on this team of knowing where they were in that game and that they were no longer going to have playoffs within reach he still went in there and still fought for his team and I think that says a lot about Kelvin Beecham he's day-to-day there's a very good chance you will have an entire backup offensive line you don't have Zach Ertz 
So you've got a rookie tight end. And you really, you just have, in terms of receivers, really it's just DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown because, I mean, being completely frank, A.J. Green, Robbie Anderson have essentially been nothing out on the field, not to be completely harsh. They haven't really done anything from a production standpoint. Haven't really contributed. Haven't really contributed. That's a much nicer way to say that. Um, Greg Dortch has not been getting a lot of opportunities, whether or not you feel some type of way about that. So it's important to make sure Trace McSorley is comfortable. That would be much easier if you had the rest of your starting offense. So to go up against this defense, and even though he's not facing Tom Brady, but still that head-to-head battle, I mean, this is, let's be honest, this is not going to be an easy one. And it is a very good Buccaneers defense. They have not looked great the past two weeks, but overall their numbers this season are pretty good. And Todd Bowles, as a defensive head coach, you know that they'll be bringing everything, throwing everything at Trace McSorley in his first career starts. So McSorley gets the start. David Blau is your backup. And as far as third string, I'd be curious – Based off what has happened the past two weeks, do they even have a third quarterback active or just keep Corey Clement as your emergency in the events that a third quarterback is needed this week? I understand your question there, (laughs) but when you say what's happened the last two weeks, I don't even just think about the quarterback. I think about the last two weeks of how many other players have gone out, even if it's been for just a few series. That Monday night game against the Patriots, who else went out at some point for injury? James Conner, Marco Wilson... I know there's more against the Broncos, Christian Matthew, Kelvin Beecham. So Max that, Garcia. Max Garcia. So to me, it's you don't have three quarterbacks because you need the depth elsewhere. True. The third quarterback, by the way, that was signed to the practice squad, James Morgan, Carson Strong released. Morgan, a former fourth-round pick of the Jets in 2020. So those are your three healthy quarterbacks, McSorley, Blau, and Morgan. Not very many names healthy for this team. A closed walkthrough on Wednesday, so a an estimation as far as who would and who would not practice, but five different players did not practice. Calvin Beecham, Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, all of those players listed day-to-day. Byron Murphy didn't participate. Zach Allen didn't participate. I'll be honest with you, Danny, I don't know if we'll see Murphy or Allen again this season. It's been a back issue for Murphy that has bothered him now for, I think, Five total games. Zach Allen didn't play last week. He's got a cast on that hand. And at this point in the year, when you're dealing with two players in particular, young, draft picks, contract year, for maybe both player and team, you sit there and say, all right, without saying it, you're not playing. Let's just focus on 2023. You're at that point in the season. Now that you've officially been eliminated from the playoffs, like it or not, that is something that is comes into the thought process when you have players who are dealing with injuries. I'm talking, you know, bigger injuries that if the Cardinals were in contention, they these players, if they could and they were cleared, they could probably play, probably not at 100%. But I think, I think you have a – you're on to something there with – Probably not seeing them the rest of the season would be my guess. By the way, the Buccaneers just as banged up. They actually had seven players who did not practice, so two more than the Cardinals. I wonder if that's the first time all year that the other team has had more players than the Cardinals listed. That would take some investigating. 
that maybe I'll do during the offseason at some point. But, I mean, you're talking about big names as well. Via Vea did not practice, and he's that man in the middle for the Buccaneers' defense. Starting cornerback Jamel Dean didn't practice. Antoine Winfield didn't practice. And Tristan Wirfs was limited. He has not played the past three games, so there might be some good news as far as the Buccaneers' offense is concerned. But this is a game on Sunday. That means a heck of a lot more to Tampa Bay than it does to the Cardinals in terms of what's left here this season. The Buccaneers, they went out. They're guaranteed to win the division. Not only that, but host a playoff game. At 6-8 and eight right now. Yes. It's pretty crazy. I mean, look, we've talked about how wacky the NFL, the NFC has been all year, and Tom Brady has lost eight games for the first time in his career in a season. The offense has not been producing much in Tampa. I mean, they still have the threats out wide of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but they have their own struggles. However, it's Tom Brady, so he's never counted out. Not even after turning the ball over four times last week to the Bengals. Two fumbles, two interceptions. He is not playing well by his standards, by any quarterback's standard yet. It's Tom Brady, and anytime he steps on the field, no matter what's around him, what's going on, it's hard to bet against him because of what he's done year in and year out. And what you said, the eight losses, the most losses in his career ever, even if this team wins out and they finish 9-8, and eight, it's the worst record of his career. He's never had a losing record. You're talking about 23 seasons playing in the National Football League, so... We're going to hear a lot about not just the Buccaneers, but Tom Brady. We heard it on Wednesday with the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury and Tom Brady, former teammates for one season. Trace McSorley, you brought it up, watched Tom Brady growing up. I'm guessing there's a lot of players in that locker room that watched Tom Brady growing up and now are on the sideline. MyJ Sanders has made it perfectly clear. Number one quarterback on his wish list to bring down this season, Tom Brady. I don't remember which player it was the other week who caught an interception and then had the guts to ask Tom Brady to sign that ball. It was a 49ers player, and I can't remember. Was it Dre Greenlaw? I don't I, remember. I can't remember, but, but I, Tom I, I Brady, bet the picture in my he, head. He though. talked later. He's like, yeah, that felt pretty horrible, <laughs> but just trying to be respectful. and under, I mean, it's crazy. I understand he's been playing for, what, 22 years? That He is a lot of this league's favorite player, their idol, growing up. So I respect the fact that I'm sure that wasn't easy. He still, you know, signed that ball. and But, man, I, I wonder if, like, if that's the new – if anyone else would try and do that now that Tom Brady's already done it or if that's, like, a one-and-done thing. Well, how about this? I'm sure you did not ask, but let's promote sideline exchange. You had the chance to catch up with Jalen Thompson. Would he be one of those players that potentially, if does get the interception – one, you got to make sure you have the football. Two, you have to have a Sharpie with you as well. So that's props to the 49ers as well for having all that at your disposal. But would Jalen Thompson be one of those? Would Buda Baker, Marco Wilson, if he plays? I mean, it would be great. I just don't know because it's been done before. Does that open up the door for others to do it now? I hope not. Gosh, that's just kind of a slap in the face. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I did not ask that question to Jalen Thompson on this week's Sideline Exchange interview, but you can go listen to the other questions <laughs> that I asked him. azcardinals.com, social channels, YouTube channel. 
what was the topics that were addressed? You know, we talked teaser, about, if you will. We talked about the resiliency that this team has had. Yes, they haven't won, but they've had back-to-back games where their quarterback has gone down with an injury. And shortly after that injury, both times, the team found a way to take the lead. Yes, they didn't hold on to it, but that resiliency, that fight has still been there. Talking about that and, and stepping up as a DB Sunday in Denver when the top three cornerbacks were out. Talked about Tom Brady and this Bucks offense and how you can't count them out and a little bit of Christmas magic. Christmas magic? Yeah, expecting well, some Christmas tease. magic. Okay. You know, playing Christmas night, having a lot of family in town. I did learn a fun fact about Jalen. This is not in the interview. This was when we were talking before. I'd asked, especially since playing on Christmas, you know, does that mean he and his family are doing more Christmas Eve stuff? And he laughed and he said, actually, me and my girlfriend always open presents on like December 22nd. I was like, why? He goes, we, we just can't wait. Like, we just we just want to know. The 22nd? So, yeah. So pretty much by the time you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance Jalen Thompson will have already opened <laughs> his Christmas wow. presents. I've heard the night before, maybe even the day before. I've never heard days, plural, three days he before. He said, yeah, it's happened more than once. They just, they get a little too antsy and they open up their presents. Wow. Where's the willpower, JT? Seriously. <laughs> You'll have to ask him in the locker room. Wow. Okay. All right. Again, things you find out when Danny Sarek stops you either coming off the practice field or after a walkthrough or before a walkthrough. Again, you can find that all on Sideline Exchange on Arizona Cardinals, all the platforms, azcardinals.com or the official YouTube page as well. By the way, not only is it you know, we're down to our third string quarterback, but we're down to our backup sideline reporter. I wouldn't say down to, how about potentially, because I know Paul Calvisi's not listening all the way through. I, I guarantee it, even though I listen all the way through on Cardinals Underground. This is an upgrade, Bird Gang. Hey. An upgrade sideline reporter on Sunday. Danny Sarek will be on the sidelines because Paul Calvisi will be up in the booth doing play by play since Dave Pash will be in. I can't remember. It's either, oh, it's I think the Lakers and I can't remember where it is. He's got he's got ESPN, ABC, NBA duties on Christmas Day. Yay, Paul, stepping in play by play. I'm excited. It should be fun. You have more responsibilities have, yes. now, so it's two and a half more hours. Yes, it it takes it takes a village, it, everybody, yes. and we're more than happy to step up and fill in next man up mentality when it's needed. And good thing for you that this game is a home game. Oh, there's a roof, Craig. <laughs> Trust me, as if I haven't already thought about that. State Farm Stadium, whether the roof will be open or closed. But if we pay attention to weather reports across the country, considering NFL cities that are hosting games either on Saturday or Sunday, there is a freeze warning. There's a massive cold front that will bypass Arizona, thankfully, and thankfully for you, Danny. I mean, could you imagine having to do anything outside where the Bills are playing in Chicago and it's expected to feel like minus 11, it should be illegal to play football in weather that is that feels like minus 11, Craig. And then landing I would be on... so miserable for anybody to deal with me on game day. <laughs> no, Don't make a comment. I, <laughs> door was Don't open. make a comment. Landing on the turf in that kind of weather as well feels like you're landing on concrete so yeah horrible thank goodness for state farm stadium absolutely you know what they should host a super bowl there you know what that sounds like a wonderful idea you know what i think they should do it this year oh 
We'll have to talk to somebody about that. Get on that right now. Danny Surek on the sidelines, Paul Calvisi in the booth, and uh, yeah, a little bit more pregame coverage for yours truly, but that's just a couple of days from now, so plenty of time for Danny to get all of her information and more little nuggets, if you will, that she can come up with in addition to the fact that Jalen Thompson, again, that's just mind-blowing, opens presence on December 22nd. Wow. All right. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohandro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.